Ladies and gentlemen, would you please rise for the Grouch Anthem? No, no, no. With a Grouch Anthem, you stay sitting down. Down in front, man. You should never let people see your card. When bluff, when call. I did not rage. I flipped over the ace. I raked on the chip. Put it with pop. Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, this is Tecmo Super Bowl. Nick's in the Grouch. We are back for episode 8 of Badoogie All-Stars. Um, Post-Vegas trip reports and lots of DC home game event fun and whatnots. Um, I guess to start out, uh, I will provide a brief, brief uh, story about my trip in Vegas. Uh I, I played the triple draw event. The um, I think it was event forty nine. Um, twenty five hundred dollar triple draw event started June twenty eighth. Uh, I got there June twenty seventh. I landed in Vegas and uh, pretty much did nothing. And then uh, went to bed and got ready for the tournament the next day. Um, this was my second World Series event. Uh, last year I played a uh, 1K document and vowed to never do that again. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 I mean, they give you, in the 1K documents, they give you, I believe it's 3,000 chips, and the levels are an hour long, and it's just like, I don't know, it's just, I've, I don't know, I'm so used to playing with deep stacks now, not even coming from, like, just cash game, but, like, Every, like, Venetian event is a deep stack. Uh, we always try when we play a tournament here at home with friends, we always try to make it deep stacked. So, I mean, 3,000 chips just seems so small, so it was, like, over really quickly if you don't run hot in the beginning. So, I don't know. I I, I just feel like in, in those 1K events, it's just so, so, so much luck that, I mean, even compared to other forms of tournaments and variants and all that jazz it's just ridiculous amounts of run good that you need so i i think it's a waste of a thousand dollars and i would never do it again i, I would much prefer playing a venetian deep stacked or or, or uh something else is it really so, that, is it really that different than other no limit events at the world series i mean i feel it i mean compared to like let's let's compare it to like the main event um I mean that's obviously ten times as expensive, but you get thirty thousand chips, and the levels are two hours long, so you get twice as much play at each blind level, and ten times the amount of chips. Now, but granted, are, the bl- are the blinds really ten? I mean, I hear they talk about like triple chips, and it's like I've heard Andy Block say, yeah, but then they just move the blinds three times as fast. Like it's not, it's an illusion of length, and I wasn't sure if that was true or not. I've never, yeah, I mean, I I've never played a World Series event, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I can't speak to... I mean, they might... What what might actually happen is, like, in the 1K event, maybe they start at... I believe it's may, might have even started at 25-25, and then went to 25-50, and then 50-100, or something like that. I can't remember. Um, and maybe at the main event, they start at 50-100. So it's not, as, it's not as, like... It's not like, oh, you're starting as low as you did at, in, with only 3,000 chips. Um, but still, I mean, I... I don't know for what, for whatever reason I just it 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 at least feels like and I'm pretty sure it actually is much more play, um, and that's where and not to mention in the 10k in the main event you obviously have so many more people just playing because it's the main event so um, I would actually be interested to see like because the 1k events you know they're so cheap that a lot of people will play them who are who are bad at poker. And then you have the same concept with the main event. A lot of people are playing who are bad at poker because it's the main event. So I, I, I would actually... I've never played the main event versus a, a 1K event. So I wonder which one people would say is softer. I I, I would guess the 1K is softer because I think there's going to be a, a lot fewer pros playing it because they don't hate life that much. Yeah, that's, um, that's a good point. I mean, especially because like, this 1K went off during the, the same time as like the 50K... Players' champion, so I think all the you know big name pros are playing that, and 
probably not playing the 1K, I would guess. I don't know. I mean, I know the 1K, I saw it somewhere that I think it was like the second biggest non-main event field ever this year. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of people that were playing it, I think, because maybe they couldn't satellite online into main, the main event, so this is what they were doing instead. I don't know. But, I, yeah. I, yeah, it seems frustrating to me. That's the thing with tournament poker is you play, you know, a couple tournaments a year, you're going to drive yourself insane because it's all about run good. You have to yeah, kind of play a ton, and then it all kind of works itself out. But whatever. Yeah, and that's that's the thing with poker, just in general. Like, we we you know study the game and try to you know plug leaks and you know read books, watch videos, do all that stuff, and just try to get better and better. But the thing is, it, unless you play a lot of poker. It almost doesn't matter because the short term is so so luck driven in poker that you really are forced to grind if you actually want to you know see the benefits of all your hard work and study. Um, so, like you said, you know if you play two tur- tournaments a year, it's just you're you're just saying okay, well I hope I run good. <laughs> yeah, I mean yeah, I'm gonna outplay a couple of these people in this hand and that hand, but they, at the end of the day, it's like, okay, you outplayed them, but it didn't matter because they spiked a four-outer, and that's that. You know, so um, that's the thing is, like, I, I started out as a tournament player and just played, like, weekly and, you know, played weekly tournaments, so in the long, you know, that, that that's still, you know, not a, a long run, quote-unquote, but it was more than, you know, one or two a year. Um, so, you know, it evened out a bit, and I won money doing that. And then I discovered Deuces Cracked and moved into cash games, um, which obviously is way more of a grind because you're just putting in trying to get X number of hands, essentially. Um, and then I was like, you know, I, oh, I hate tournaments. The, you know, it's just so luck-driven versus cash games where you can sort of rebuy and, you know, if the fish quote unquote busts you in a cash game, then you just rebuy and you have a chance to sort of get it back plus more. Um, but now I've sort of like changed my mindset. I mean, I probably has a lot to do with the online situation not being there, but now I'm just sort of like, ah, I hate cash games because it's such a grind. I want to play just tournaments just like here and there and play well but sort of now I'm in the mindset of, well, let's just hope for the best, play some tournaments here and there, and that's it. Just more, I guess I'm switching back to more just playing it for entertainment. Yeah, I mean, for me, what I liked when I started playing, when I started online, I was tournaments only, was because it was, it's going to cost me $10, and I'm going to play, and then it's over. Where, yeah. like, if I play a cash game and, like, I'm down and I top off or whatever, like, I don't really have a good, like, fixed amount of money that it was. And so it was nice that it's like, okay, I have X in my bankroll. I'm going to put $10 down and see what happens. Oh, I lost. Okay. Tomorrow I'll put another $10 down. Now I'll put $5 down. It was – and then once I got better, I was like, oh, I hate that I go – I'm going to play poker now. And then five minutes later I've busted on, like, the third hand of a tournament when I run, you know, kings into aces or something like that. And that's it. So yeah. if I'm in a cash game, I rebuy, I keep playing, and so I like that better. But, yeah, I think the short term of tournaments is, even when I'm only playing occasionally, is so frustrating to me that I'm going to go play a tournament. I've lost. Now what? But Yeah, I, I don't know. So I'm not really sure where my mentality is right now. I mean, it's hard to say. I'm so still kind of so bummed about all, poker in general, but... Um... But getting back, just I mean, I was still really excited to play this Triple Draw event. Um, I had been working and studying for it for, like, s- at least six months, um, as much as I could online, and then, you know, then we got shut down, obviously. Um, but still studying it, and I uh, was really excited for it, because um, this, I, you know, I, I said last year, never going to play one of those 1K documents because you don't get that much play, but in this $2,500 event, you get 7,500 in chips. It's a limit event, so, you know, even if you run bad um, in a limit event for the first couple hours, it's pretty difficult to bust unless you're just a really poor player. And uh, so, you know, you're, you're sort of guaranteed in a limit event to get 
get, get not get, I wouldn't say get your money's worth, but get a decent amount of play. Um, so I was excited for all of those reasons, and um, sat down at my table, uh, looked around. I knew it wasn't there weren't going to be that many people last year. There were two hundred and ninety one people in, uh, that entered, and this year it happened in. I think it, I was I was expecting it to be like 350, and it turned out to be like 310. I think was the final number. Um, and I looked around at my table. So I looked around at all the other tables. You know, pretty much every table had somebody that I knew, uh, whether it was an online guy or you know like a Greg Raymer or something. Um, and my table didn't have anyone, and I was like, I was a little disappointed because I'm, st- I still got the, a little bit of that fanboy in me, you know, <laughs> like, like wanting to like play with Tom Dwan, um, even though that might not be a good idea, um, considering, you know, I mean, I don't know his triple draw prowess, and there's a good chance that he's not that great at triple draw, but. I think there's a higher chance that Tom Dwan is good at triple draw than random Bob. <laughs> so, yes. um, random Bob sucks at triple draw. No. <laughs> 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 um, but anyway, so I, I looked around at my table. I didn't know anyone. Uh, there were uh, three, there were two young guys to my right, one young guy to my left. It's a six, it's a six max thing. And, uh, Two to my left was an old guy, and three to my right was, like, some Russian guy. And so we started playing. Uh, I was a little nervous, honestly, because I'd never played a live triple draw event. So it was like, you know, you couldn't just click the cards you wanted to discard and wait. And, <laughs> did you and, have, like, in two piles so that when they got yeah. to you, you could just push one out? I did not, because no one else was doing that. And I was like, I don't, I don't think that's good. Um, but I was just a little bit worried that it was like, okay, so you got to do all this stuff to make sure, you know, you're not giving away anything. You're not like when you're in position, you don't have three cards out in front of you trying, you know, telling the person who's out of position already, how many you're drawing and stuff and everything like that. Um, but anyway, you know, the nervousness quickly went away and I just started playing triple draw and I was like, oh yeah, I, I know how to play this game. Um, and it, it quickly became apparent that the guy to my left was just some... I mean, he even said it. He's like, yeah, PLO is my game. I, I don't really know what I'm doing. <laughs> and he was just a huge nit. Uh, and then there was pretty much no one else at my table. Like, it, There was one competent guy at my table. He was a young guy. He looked like an online guy. Um, and he was directly to my right. Everyone else was just kind of spewy, loose, fishy. And I was like, okay, this is a good table. Um, and I managed to run pretty well, uh, made a, like, I think I made five number ones, which is the best hand you can make in triple draw. Is that why they call it number one? It is why they call it number one. (laughs) Um, what's the second best hand called? Uh, 14. (laughs) (laughs) It's weird. Triple draw is weird. Um, no, uh, yeah, so a uh, number one is two, three, four, five, seven, for those who don't know, in triple draw. Um, and so I made, like, five of those on day one, which obviously helped. Um, and I was able to build up a nice little chip stack and finished day one in the top, I can't remember which place, I was, like, 12th or something. I think, but yeah, it was top, I think it was 12th. Is what I was 12th, okay. Yeah, it was top 15, I know. Um, and at the end of the day, there were, we started with 310, at the end of the day, we had a little over 100, I want to say, and uh, I was top 15 in chips, so that was nice. Um, Vincent Subgrante and Death Donkey were, were both still in as well. Um, Vincent's funny side story, Vincent, uh, I think he like bubbled day two last year in this event, I think on the la- very last hand he said he lost, and was out um so this one I, I they they broke our table right at the end of day one and i moved over to his table and he didn't have a ton of chips and there were like six hands left in the day and he started playing like three or four of them and 
he was just like, oh, come on, let me let me please make it a day two. And, uh, I mean, he obviously wasn't going to just, like, knit it up and fold good hands to do so. That's why I started playing a bunch of hands. Um, but I took one, I took a pot off of him, and he got down kind of low, but then he won the next hand, and he, he was able to make it to day two. And actually, he didn't cash, but he did go somewhat far in day two. Um, but, yeah, so I, my initial goal was definitely just make it to day two, and I was able to do that. Um, then day two came, and my table draw was much, much worse. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> to say the least. I had, yeah, I had uh, Jared Blesnick, aka Harrington Twenty Five, online. I don't really know much about him, but I know he has like seven figures and winnings online. Um, and then Jason Mercier, uh, two to my left, which I know he's just. I know he's just. Um, he's running really well, but he's also a good player. So, I, I, again, I didn't know too much about their triple draw prowess, but these are two guys who are obviously successful poker players. And I had a, I had a feeling Jason Mercier was going to be decent at triple draw. I didn't know about uh, Jared Blesnick, um, and I later got a scouting report from someone who I won't mention because I don't want to sort of add him like that, but he was like, yeah, Jared's horrible at triple draw. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's, and, and it's not that he's horrible at triple draw, it's just that he... He's a seven-figure winner uh, online. He's like, you know, he's rich. This is a $2,500 event, and Triple Draw is just sort of too slow and not enough action for him. It's a limit event. <laughs> um, pretty sure he's a big bet guy. And you could tell right away when I sat down with him that he was like, ah, oh, shoot me now. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's just trying to, like, give his chips away. and just I mean, he wasn't playing horribly, but, he, you know, he, would de- he was definitely making mistakes, and then, like, mid-hand, because him and Jason Mercier were, seemed like they were buddies. Like, mid-hand, Jason's like, what are you doing? Like, why are you raising there? And and he's like, yeah, I know it's bad, but I don't give a fuck. And, and you're just like, okay. We're getting another explicit rating on iTunes, thanks. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Jared. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but, yeah, anyway, I mean, you could tell, like, you know, he wasn't a. He's not like a a dumb guy. He's not a bad player. He just doesn't care. Um, so it's kind of the same thing to me. You know, if he's just gonna sort of play decent poker and spew in certain spots versus knowing better, it doesn't really matter. It's all it's what you do that matters. So uh, that was good to to uh, see because I I was able to bust him later. Um, but Jason Mercier, I mean. Everyone sort of jokes about it, and it's like, oh, that guy runs so good. That guy runs so good. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. He he was two to my left, um, so he had position on me, you know, a majority of the time, but I didn't play too many bad hands. Like, if I'm under the gun or under the gun plus one, remember, it's six max, um... And he was had position on me. I mean, I'm generally not playing bad hands in those cases. So him having position on me d- still does suck in those cases. But when when he has position on me, I have good hands, so it's not that big of a deal. the The problem came is when I had position on him, and he just would just make hands every time. Like I I, I was telling people, I was like, you know, I don't, I honestly didn't count, but like let's say I played. 30 hands with him on day two and I think I'm probably a better triple draw player I mean that's probably that's obviously debatable but um there were there were things that he was doing where I was like "Eh, I wouldn't have done that I don't think that's right um but uh but regardless you know let's just assume we're even in skill uh if I have position on him a majority of the time and we played 30 hands together. I think he probably won 25 of them. <laughs> I mean, it was ridiculous how many hands he would just make. He would, I would raise the button. He would defend his big blind and draw uh, two or three and then pat immediately. <laughs> and, I mean, again, I don't, I don't know 
how much our audience knows triple draw, but like you get three draws, triple draw, and most people, you know, I like that you're explaining all of the terms that are defined by it. Number one is the best hand. Triple draw is a a game where you draw three times. (laughs) Yeah, you know, like to be uh, thorough. Um, So when you say it's uh, limit, do you mean that it's? Never mind. It. (laughs) Go ahead. so anyway, like he would just—he was constantly drawing and then patting after the first draw. Occasionally, he would use the second draw. I'm not even sure if he ever had to use the third draw. Like that's how good he was running. Um, and you know, basically, you know, I can like like we said earlier, you know, in tournaments, there's only so much you can do. I can I can draw better than him. You know, I'm drawing at a seven. He's drawing at a nine. Um, he makes his nine, I brick, 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 and he wins the pot. You know, there's only so much you can do, even if you're playing better than your opponent, uh, in a, in a limited time frame, uh, if they're just running better. Um, and on day two, I think I only made one number or, or one hand that was in the top four, one number seven, or not number seven, not a seven, uh, one seven, uh, the whole day. And that was a number four. And, uh, Which you know, is the fourth best hand? No, no. It's, it's actually, yes, yes, it's the fourth best hand. Um, but, uh, but yes, I mean, there's, there was really only so much I could do. He was making hands, I, I wasn't. And uh, I was able to last a, a good portion of the day. And we got down the top 30 paid. And we got down to, like, 40. And I, and I was, had an okay stack, but then I lost a couple big pots. Um, I'm pretty sure probably both to Jason and, uh, I was still surviving throughout the day, but just, just to give you a perspective, I started the day with 40,000 in chips. Um, he was in second at my, at my table at the beginning of the day with 20,000 chips, um, around dinner break, uh, he had something like 200,000 <laughs> and I still had something like Thirty-five, forty thousand. So obviously, I mean, he was just—he was just crushing everyone to go from twenty thousand to two hundred thousand in a matter of hours, and uh, it was—it was hard to compete with that. Let's let's just leave it at that. Um, very nice guy. I got nothing against him, but I hate him. Um, <laughs> hate that guy. <laughs> uh, but anyway. Um, yeah, so we got down to like 40, and I lost a couple pots, and I was struggling, waiting for my next rush of cards, or hoping, and it just never got there. Uh, I ended up uh, getting to the point where I was really, really low, and Greg Raymer sat down to my right after I busted uh, I busted Jared Blesnick, and Eugene Kachaloff took his seat. I busted him, and Greg Raymer took his seat, and... Um, Greg Rammer had a pretty healthy stack and I was struggling and barely alive and we were sitting there discussing it and I, I discussed it with Death Donkey on break as well and like all three of us were kind of like, yeah, the thing is your tournament life is so important once you get close to caching versus if you have only, say, 2,000 chips you know, risking your tournament life in the hopes that you double up from 2,000 to 4,000 and the blinds are, you know, 800, 1,600, or or even worse, 1,000, 2,000, you know, is doubling up from 2,000 to 4,000, is it really worth it? Because then you're just going to have to win another double up and then another double up. You, you know, like, you have to hit, like, three or four double ups before you're even back into contention with anything i think the average at the time was 50,000 so me having 2,000 it was a decision between do you try to double up and and uh sort of go for it or you know we got down to 31 people left top 30 cashed do you wait it out and just hope someone else busts and you know greg Raymer and, and death donkey and i all agreed that it was like you know doubling up not really worth the risk of busting, you know, because me being a very recreational amateur player, cashing in this event was huge. Uh, you know, my, my original goal was only to make day two. 
now once I got to this point, obviously caching was my new goal. Um, so I pretty much just folded my hands and I folded through the blinds and left myself with only 200 ships just so I could make it another orbit before the blinds came around, hoping that one of the other two short stacks in the room would bust. But it was not meant to be. I bubbled the event. So that was awesome. I got 31st, top 30 paid. I know you, uh, <laughs> TJ Hernandez, uh, um, Solstice was there sweating me for part of the event. I know uh, you had mentioned to him that he should try to go around to the other 30 people and try to organize a 31-way chop, but that was not <laughs> that was not meant to be. Well, what he told me is the only reason it wouldn't work is because Death Donkey had a 15-to-1 bet with Matisau that he wouldn't win the event. So you could, how are you going to get Matisau to chop now? Yeah, that's true, uh, which yeah. was a sweet bet for, for Chris. Yeah. <laughs> but I, yeah, uh, I was watching, I was like reading the Poker News updates, like, I was just sitting here, like, going, come on. And, like, Poker News is like, yeah, we really don't know what this guy is doing. Like, he has 200 chips left. We can only imagine that he's hoping someone busts. But the tone of Poker News is very much like, what the hell is this guy doing? Like, why yeah, yeah, yeah. this go? <laughs> Which is funny coming from Poker News because, like, their triple draw reporting, they would learn things from listening to your explanations of there are three draws. And yeah, yeah. one is the best hand. Like, they had a hand they reported where, like, someone made a straight in one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, I remember no, that. That's not how it works. <laughs> There was one, yeah. a hand that Death Donkey was in, they reported that someone check-called with pocket twos, or with a pair of twos. Not really a triple draw play, but yeah. it was weird. But in, yeah, it was like them, and like, I saw the 2 plus 2 poker cast, you had tweeted at them, and they're like, wait, are you the guy that just folded the small and big blind and have 200 chips left? And I, was, yeah. <laughs> and I replied, I'm like, yeah, that's him. And they're like, we don't really know, I don't really know what to say to that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I so, mean, it, so while it, it, Greg Kramer and uh, Death Donkey agree, the two plus two poker cast and poker news do not. Yeah, yeah, they didn't agree, and that's fine. I I much prefer taking my advice from Death Donkey, um, a triple draw uh, guru, as opposed to, and just I mean that's not even just triple draw. That's just like tournament strategy. It's just yeah, it make as much as I've given you a lot of crap for it. Um, no, I think that that was the right play. What else can you do? But yeah. speaking of TJ, I'd like to point out, he said he wanted to give you a hug after the event, and I'm sure he wanted everyone to know that, so I just wanted to share that with our audience, <laughs> that TJ wanted to hug you after the event. Yeah, well, that's, I was very sad, and... Uh, he also told me I, I should stop making fun of you, but I don't listen to TJ. Yeah. Well, he's a nice guy, and you're a douche, so, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I know what he's going to do, he's going to give you a hug. Anyway. <laughs> so yeah, anyway, I bubbled, so that sucked, obviously. Um, you know, I've, I've sort of, now at this point, I've realized that, hey, my goal was, my only goal when making this, or when starting this event was to make it to day two. I made it to day two as one of the chip leaders. I had a great run, um, played and got all the way down to almost the money. So, yeah, I mean... It was. It sucked that I bubbled, but it was a lot of fun, and you know, got to play with a lot of cool people, and you know, overall, I, I'm very happy with the experience. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. Like, I mean, if you at the time it sucks, and in a year, two years, five years, it's like to have played the triple draw event and bubbled your very first one. Just, I mean, that's an accomplishment, and it's, you know, it's something that if it, it sucks in the short, it's like tournament poker in the short term yeah. like it sucks but in the long term whatever it works it works itself out but now that i know the field is so soft that even you could make it that far I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm definitely planning on playing the event next year if i can get some triple draw hands in in the meantime i th I thought about it this year and then with the shutdown like there was just no way that i could get my game up to the level i needed it at to really stand a chance so yeah well that's what i thought from what i saw of poker news i think i could have done okay as it was but yeah, that's the thing. Day one, like I said, my table was a dream table, and you could tell people really, I mean, didn't know what they were doing. Um, you're definitely better than them already. Uh, day two, obviously, it got tougher, and you had to be better. You had to, have, you know, know your fundamentals, and and you, I mean, you're, you know, if you watch Triple the Gold and you play a little bit, you're still gonna have an advantage, but it's your edge is gonna be smaller on day two. Yeah. Um. I have to say the biggest disappointment for me is you had told me on your very first hand you were going to look at your cards and say, do you have any fours? And you forgot. And that would have <laughs> yeah. just been a great way to start the tournament. 
Yes, it, it would have been. And unfortunately, I was focused on the actual tournament and not on jokes. <laughs> Which uh-huh. is, I mean, really, like, how it turned out. Like, you didn't win any money in the poker playing. Like, at least you would have scored some points with the jokes. But anyway, I think that's enough of your triple draw pain. Why don't we go to the interview with Matt Flynn so you can stop thinking about triple draw? Okay, guys, uh, we are on with Matt Flynn. Welcome to the awesome Badoogie All-Stars, Matt Flynn. Thank you very much, Tom. Uh, How are you? I'm doing very well. How are you doing after your second week in Vegas with your girlfriend? Uh, It was... Awesome. Uh, we just I just uh, got home back in Maryland now. Uh, but yeah, the, the the week with the girlfriend was amazing. We uh, wait a minute. I'm supposed to be interviewing you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Matt and I, Matt and I have Tom here as our guest. Um, <laughs> so, Tom, can you can you tell me about about bubbling the deuce to seven no limit triple draw? <laughs> I already explained the story. To many, many people, I just talked about it. I'm not going to explain it again. No, um... I think I caught quite all the details. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of feelings get hurt, I wanted to start by apologizing to Max. I heard he got mistaken for me while we were at one of the Deuces Crack something, so... That's... Oh, I don't remember that happening. Oh, no, someone told me that, that Chuck thought that you were me. I didn't know if he said it to your face or not, but Chuck was... Yeah, we, well, Matt and I, we, rode, we took a cap, uh, taxi to, uh, to the dodgeball, the DC dodgeball thing... Oh, yeah, this was pre-concussion, you know. Yeah, yeah, and... Uh, Maybe that's why you don't remember. It was a, it was a, <laughs> a very little recollection of what happened before I woke up on the dodgeball. <laughs> Do you remember that it was a $60 cab ride because the guy lost all this? <laughs> yes, and I remember the guy tried to kill us about nine times, and I just handed you my money and said, I would not tip, it's up to you, and I walked away. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so uh, we walked in once we finally got there um, and survived, uh, and Chuck was there, and, and he knew that Bryce or, um, was going to come out with me uh, at some point. Um, so he just, I think he automatically assumed anybody I was with would be Bryce. Um, Man, Bryce, you got the short end of that one. I, see, and I was thinking, I felt really bad that you had been dragged down to the level of Badoogie All-Star, so... <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I, what I like is that uh, you know I met, I met a couple of the Deuces Crack people I hadn't met before. I knew most of the founders and uh, a couple of the coaches. And Joe Tall says to me, you know, everyone says you don't look like what they expect. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> you look very Brycey. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, we could be mistaken for twins, really. <laughs> so how have you overcome the challenges in your life, Bryce? <laughs> um so yeah well let's uh let's talk a little dodgeball um we a bunch of the dc coaches uh and founders and all kinds of people got together at what was this was is a sky zone it was is that Sky zone yeah um a trampoline dodgeball place yep um which actually was a lot more Fun and actually way more cardio intensive than I had prepared. Mm. Um, I was going to ask how cardio intensive did you think it was going to be? It's trampoline dodgeball, like. Well, I just thought it would be like you know you jump around and you you throw the ball, you know, and but then you get into it and it's it's like you're constantly running and jumping and it takes it out of you. Like it's ridiculous how much everyone was just panting and sweating and everything oh you know we we walk in there we finally get in and there's a bunch of i don't know 10 year olds playing in there and we're all looking at that going we can take them yeah we can take them you know and and (laughs) ryan's all excited you know flawless victory's all excited everybody's going in there and then they put us in this thing and we jump in we get six on six there's about 18 of us there about six on six and you got if you if you haven't been to one of these places i hadn't been there's kind of a dead zone in the middle with two steel bars holding the trampoline up, covered with padding. This will come back later. But all you see is the padding. And then they've got six trampolines set in a grid that's two deep and three wide. And the entire back and side walls are trampolines. So you're just getting your feel for running and jumping on these things. And we're doing this. And you've got six balls go back and forth. The usual dodgeball rules, pick on the fat kid the whole bit. <laughs> and you jump in there. That's and everybody's bouncing around and banking off the walls and doing all this kind of stuff. And we play our first game of dodgeball. And at the end of that, we're all just gasping. I mean, except for a couple of the younger guys. 
gasping, limping off, realizing you really shouldn't be jumping and trampling dodgeball. That's just that's just the trampolines are for falling on, not for jumping on. So yeah, it was kind of funny afterwards because when we walked 12 off, we couldn't get 12 people on for a minute or two. Yeah, Remember that? Yeah. The very first round because no one had figured it out. And we're all just huffing and puffing, except for Jay who played before. But uh, Yeah, Jay, yeah. I think Jay might have been the only person who had played before. I, I went out there. I was one of the initial six of the six-on-six. Six. So I think we had about 25 people there total. Um, and I think it, the very first time it came down to me versus three other people. Um, yeah, I was one of those three. Oh, okay. And yeah. oh, I guess, you, yeah, then you, oh, um, yeah, I hit, did I hit a meal, uh, White Lime? I can't mm-hmm. remember. I think and, you got him in the first one. I was one of the survivors of the first round, but that's because, you know, I'm just dodging these things, and then as I come off, all I can think of is that country song, I ain't as good as I once was. Because <laughs> 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 I'm like, I just had my once. <laughs> I hope they got it on film, because it's all downhill from here, you know? Yeah. I'm yeah, 43, I mean, I... it's a little different world <laughs> when you're 43 and play a new game like that. I'll post a couple links to the the YouTube videos that Joe has put together on it. But like, yeah, that first time I got down to me versus three other people, I I hit somebody and it bounced off and ricocheted and hit the other person. So I took two out, and then it was me versus um, I think it was Doseki's girlfriend. Um, I'm not sure, uh, but uh, it was just me versus her. And at that point. I was just so gassed. I'm just like I was trying to run and dodge, but I just fell down and rolled into the net, um, and then got up and I just decided I can't move. I'm just gonna wait until she throws the ball at me and hope I catch it. Because <laughs> <laughs> you don't know ball rules. If you catch it, the other person's out. I tried to catch it, I failed, and I was out. It's <laughs> the laziest approach to dodgeball I've ever heard. <laughs> Everything you've ever done, I mean, I, so so when I was a kid, everybody played outside baseball, all that kind of stuff with all the neighborhood kids. I don't know if you all made that transition or not, if it had been, you know, modern era or not. But when I was young, that's what we did, and all we did was argue about calls. And, I mean, <laughs> I've never seen so many people just ball-faced lie about getting hit. <laughs> I did in that dodgeball game. I mean, people get hit once. I mean, maybe twice, but there are guys getting hit three times just going, uh-uh, no, uh-uh, nothing touching. I'm good. And then, you know, you got four guys pointing at them, and then you have to go to a vote, and then you have to go to committee. You know? yeah. it's, it was really something else, you know. But maybe they were in the heat of the moment and just weren't feeling the contact or something, but it was it was very funny. Yeah. Um, and then if you notice that towards the end, people started realizing, oh, yeah, there's nine people watching who are probably seeing me get hit. <laughs> so it got a little bit more honest, but I think only because there were a lot of observers. Yeah. I mean, you, you're playing with a bunch of people who essentially lie for a living at the poker table. <laughs> no, they're just running a bluff. You know? <laughs> they're just all they were doing. And, but, yeah, that was pretty funny. And, and Emil was uh, fantastic. Yeah. He, yeah, he just, yeah, he's just slippery. He's just, he was hard to hit, throwing well. It was really difficult. And uh, I only really remember the first half well because there was one where I got up and you can only have one guy on one team or one person on one team in the middle zone at the time. And I was in the middle and had slung one and someone slung one back right at my head and I just flipped backward as hard as I could. Back of my head hit that hit that uh, pad that's in the middle ground and there's a bar underneath that. Yeah. And I whack that thing and I sit up and I go, hold on a second. Let me lie back down just a minute. Yeah, yeah, I, I witnessed the whole thing, and I was like, oh, wow, because I didn't, I didn't know about the bar. I thought you just hit your head, and I was like, oh, well, there's, that's There's like a bar a... under there. I hit directly through the padding onto a bar, but I threw myself as hard, just as back as hard as I could to try and avoid that thing. And um, and then you're just, like, trying to be cool. You know? <laughs> yeah, you're just like, oh, walk it off. Walk... Oh, wait, no. Got it. Got it. Got it. There's Big Dipper. There's Ursa Major, and I'm just, okay, there's the exit. All right, let me crawl over there. <laughs> And all those ten-year-old kids are like, I could take him. <laughs> oh yeah, they're looking at him, going, "What's Grandpa doing on that thing?" You know, <laughs> give him a walker. <laughs> they're tossing Werther's originals at you, like, come oh, on, get was, energy back. <laughs> it was horrible, you know. I mean, there's, just, uh, it was, it was just kind of embarrassing towards the end. But, but that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was, it was a lot more fun than I expected, and like I said, a lot harder than I expected. Um, I really hope there's a reprise next year because uh, yeah, that was something else. Also, it was really nice as a technically not a coach or founder, so it was really nice for uh, Joe to invite me to that, and it was a, it was great, good fun. It really was. 
I don't, yeah. mean, I don't mean to take the wind out of your sails. They also invited me, so I mean the standards of who was invited was very low, apparently. But <laughs> no, I almost moved, I actually almost. Both of us. I was gonna say I almost moved my flight so I could go because it was like, oh, it's like five hours before I get in, but it just didn't work out. But hopefully next year I can do it because throwing balls at Tom's head sounds like the best thing possible. <laughs> Bryce, I just want to say thank you for bursting my special bubble. No, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I still feel love, just less so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, speaking of getting hit in the head, there were several people who got beamed in the head. Um, who was it? Uh, Joe Joe Tall got crushed by uh, Death Donkey. Or so oh, that's on video. I saw the yeah. video. That was awesome. Yeah, it looked like it, it was kind of a he ducked at the same time the ball hit him, but it looked like the ball hit him hard enough to spin him end over end. <laughs> it was really a great video shot. I had one of those. I thought in the end, I'm like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to do the midget in baseball thing. So I squat down really low, put my hands in front of my chest. And I just told everybody, go ahead and throw it at me. I'm just going to catch it, right? And I'm in the back. And then three balls come at me, one left, right, and, this, and two of them throw from my left side. And I don't even know who it was hitting me dead in the glasses. I mean, just a full-on <laughs> throw. I thought, well, that's the end of that strategy. <laughs> Yeah, I think there was. I think uh, Emil might have got hit in the face. Uh, Aaron Gertie might have. He took a couple in the head. Yeah, but that was probably about it. He he was really. I mean, he had a lot of balls thrown at him. He was really awesome at it. Yeah, yeah. Flawless was uh, getting into it too. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Both, you know, he's a competitive guy. He was working out the strategies, organizing everybody. It was it was fun. I was just trying to think of different ways to get creative with it. Uh, like you said, on the sides, uh, on the walls, um, it's kind of trampoline-y as well. And uh, I, was, I, would, I would try to run up the side and jump off of it and then throw. But that, that was uh, not, not nearly as effective as I had hoped. Yeah, that's something where you hope to look cool, and in the end it's just nothing but disappointment. Yeah. <laughs> Sort of like my triple draw tournament. I was going to say that. But... About, tell me more about your triple draw tournament. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I, shall I tell you my tournament experience? Sure. So every year I go out to Las Vegas for the World Series for a week. This is my big week, right? I'm married, three kids, dog. This is the one time a year with full blessing I go out and have fun, do this, play poker, scratch the itch. And every year I vow to myself, I will never play another World Series tournament unless I'm playing the main again, right? I'm just, I'm just not going to do that because I absolutely hate them. And this time, it was the Rio that got me. And all they offered me was a $20 a day discount on my bill. And I'm thinking, this is 160 bucks right off the bat, right? And how yeah. can I not pass on an 11% free roll on the <laughs> World Series of Poker? So I, I, I sign up the night before... You know, I go out to dinner, and I have a bunch of wine, sign up the night before, and I get up, and I go down, and I sit at my table early. It's like 11.50, and by 11.52, I was on crazy monkey tilt. <laughs> I was like, I want nothing to do with this tournament. I walk back over to the cage to see if I can cash out my ticket. The line is, I mean, you know, there's just no chance I'm going to get out of this event, and there's no way they're going to be able to tell because I could have easily played three hands and then tried to cash out, right? So I'm just stuck, and, I, you know, I mean... I did about as well as you'd expect. I lasted a little over an hour, which is about 40 minutes longer than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> it, was, it was a very tight table, so you know, it took a while for someone to actually have a hand. Which event was that? This was the uh, Saturday 43, uh, one of the No Limit events. Oh, okay. One of the big Saturday No Limit events, which were surprisingly well attended. And there were a lot of people for those good fields, if you like that kind of thing. Well, at least you didn't play for 17 hours and then got nothing out of it. Well, tell me how that went, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we should have you as a guest more often. This is great. <laughs> I know, you don't want to bring down a lot of Louis Shelley. Bryce, your goal is to, you know, raise the standards. You mean like Negreanu and Helmuth and all those big guys on there. Yeah, my, my goal is just to, like, get Tom interested enough that he'll hit record well, and we can go from there. <laughs> <laughs> He's told me that he wished we do we did less preparation, which I don't even know how that's possible. <laughs> I guess it would be calling you without asking you to be on the show and just saying surprise you're on. But <laughs> that would be awesome. Oh, that would be pretty good actually. Yeah. We're gonna have to do that. We're gonna have to just, just cold call people like telemarketers. <laughs> Hi, can I so interest we... you in being on Badoogie All Stars? 
You know, you, you did the cold call thing for me actually at the uh, at the Aria at the Deuces Cracked Home game, which was really awesome this year. Anybody who missed it, Jay's there handing out boxes of the Micros T-shirts, and I don't know. I I took the shirt and not being as deeply involved as I probably should be with all these people who I know, I had never seen the Micros. So first of all, you got to go watch the Micros if you have, if you haven't seen it. It's just fantastic. The creativity is just excellent. But you get your T-shirt there, and we sit down and. Uh, you come up to me, we've been there for an hour, and you come up to me with a camera. And, <laughs> and I'm wearing a, a was I, what was I wearing, a duck? A uh, 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 flamingo. Flamingo hat. Who had the flamingo hats? And why did I end up wearing a flamingo hat? <laughs> Clearly there was too much alcohol there. But, but anyway, I'm wearing a flamingo hat, and I'm thinking you're going to take a picture of me. <laughs> I'm like, wait, let me get cards. And let me just look mean in my flamingo hat, right? Like I'm really <laughs> trying to play. And meanwhile, all this is on video. Yeah. <laughs> Shows up on Jesus Cracked and me sitting there looking completely, you know, stern, going, wait, I need four cards. <laughs> Do this. All the while, my flamingo head is like intermittently being fed with Viagra. It's going up and down. It's just us. <laughs> the saving so, grace, though, is you looked better in your flamingo hat than Terry Fan did. So you were not the most uh, ridiculous is- flamingo hat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. By the way, I played uh, I played Terry Penn very well. I have to say because he he got all in as a uh, slight favorite in a three way all in pot pre flop with a hundred dollar cap to PLO, and he got nervous. And I'm like, oh well, I'll take half your action. He said, sure, bank bank, and there it was. So I just got an extra rack off of him. So that was, that was a good play. But nice. He, he won a lot while he was there. I was gonna say, is that I think that was the only hand you won at that table, wasn't it? <laughs> It might have been well. No, well, I didn't. I ended up a couple hundred dollars down, you know. But it was it was one of those things. I was playing in a few extra hands, and I've got Terry, Tommy, Angelo, Joe, Tall. Uh, nobody's playing any cards to my left. I mean, there, actually, there I can't say that. You know, I was kind of impressed. There was one hand where Joe table on a king jack six rainbow flop. Joe tabled ace king king queen double suited. And uh, I think that's great that Joe's opened up his PLO range. <laughs> I think he played one other hand, and it must have been aces. But uh, Are you saying uh, Joe and Tommy and Terry are all PLO nits? Uh, I, I, I don't really want to say that. <laughs> show as honorable, you know, as, as impressive as this one, but they were a bunch of nits. <laughs> it was like a slot machine. <laughs> nit, nit, nit. <laughs> and then it went over to Rob. Rob. Go ahead. Rob from Scotch is in him. Uh, 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 what's Rob's entity, right? Yeah. And Rob, uh, Rob had a couple scotches in him, and Rob was holding his own. He was playing in proper DC home game fashion. Nice. Yeah, which was good to see. I could tell Terry was doing well because Tom had one percent of him and would occasionally come back to our table with like a one dollar chip. He's like, "This is from Terry," and he would add it to his stack. <laughs> but I've never oh, yeah, seen yeah. someone have one percent that is being paid intermittently throughout the night. And he would disappear, <laughs> and he's like, "Terry won a big pot. Here's two dollars." <laughs> I think that tells you something about the state of the economy when you win 1% of someone's action in a DC home game and you go collect immediately. Yeah. <laughs> it's more the state of how Tom's uh, stack was doing at our table, which was not well. But we, well, we were playing yeah, Badoogie I mean, and it was over his head. Badoogie is easy. You make Badoogies and you win money, and that was my strategy, and it worked awesome for me. So. Yeah, was, well, was, I, I took... I originally took 50% of Terry Fan, and I was like, well, that seems a bit much. I wasn't sure uh, how good Terry Fan was, A, and B, how good he was going to run. So I was like, oh, I'll just take 1%. <laughs> and then, yeah, every now and then I would go over, I would see him raking in a pot, and then he would hand me a dollar. <laughs> wow. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, we we had uh, we were at the table adjacent to you guys, and we were playing uh, Badoogie, Triple Draw, Crazy Pineapple, and what O eight mix? We started we with Raz, and then we realized no one wanted to play Raz, and replaced it with uh, yeah O eight. So. Yeah. Does uh-huh. anybody even know how Raz is played? I mean, it's just, yeah. It's you get dealt cards question. and then fall asleep, as far as I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah oh, that's Badoogie right there. <laughs> Yeah, no, whoever thought of, I mean, Badoogie more than like five-handed is just an exercise in sticking an ice pick slowly through your big toe. I mean, uh, <laughs> slowest game in the uniform. I, can you guys hear what's going on in the background on my end? Um, I can hear some, some... Okay, what that is is one of my kids' toys, which is if you put a, it'll say Idaho, and you have to put the Idaho thing in the Idaho thing. 
uh, is going on. So if you, anyway, I'm going to sign off about 10 seconds, and I'm going to go break this toy. So <laughs> okay. I'll be right back. Right. He just pulled an A.U. Morgan. <laughs> I hit pause before you said that, so... <laughs> okay, I'm unpausing because we actually have to hear him breaking that toy. <laughs> okay, we're done with that. <laughs> Unfortunately, I paused it, and I don't think I got the, the sound of you breaking that toy. But I, I thought it was a euphemism. I didn't realize you were actually going to smash the toy. <laughs> let, me, let me just tell you, we're in, I, I'm in a state of war with my brother-in-law, and ever since I had my first son, which is before he had kids, and he sent me a rock and roll Elmo doll. And <laughs> bought my kid drums, and this, and then this, so this is just open warfare, right? So at any given time, some kind of sound toy might enter my house just to be annoying. And it's surprising how many of them eventually break. <laughs> Shocker! <laughs> yeah, just like the microphone. Yeah, yeah. Well, that probably had help from one of the kids, but. Um. So yeah, let's let's talk a little bit Doogie. Um, right. I, I know you've you've written a couple articles on it, right? I just back when no one had done any of the computations, I just put out a couple articles on Badoogie with some basic stuff. Um, it, it was Badoogie for me started when uh, someone said, "Hey, Doc, you want to come play Badoogie?" Um, and I won't say what state it's in. It was uh, in a state where, of course, everything's legal, and. Um, I said, come on down, we're going to play 200, 400 Badoogie. And I said, well, who's going to be playing? And I heard the lineup, and I, it didn't really matter that I didn't know how to play Badoogie or what the rules were or anything like that. I knew it was going to be a pretty good game. So I, I worked on it a little bit, had three days, uh, talked to a guy at TT on 2 plus 2, if any of you all know him, and uh, then crunched a bunch of numbers and figured out basic strategies for pre-flop and flop for the game. And went there and uh, get there, and they say, "Sorry, Doc, it's it's five-handed and it's uh, five hundred a thousand. <laughs> wow! So I've driven an hour to come to this game. So <laughs> very first time I ever played Badoogie, I sat down and played six-handed five hundred a thousand Badoogie. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and then I realized after about an hour that it's one of the highest variance games of poker there is. Um, and I only lost fifteen thousand, so I guess it could have been a lot worse. But uh, yeah, that started my love of Badoogie. Wow, yeah. you uh, you don't limp into things. You uh, just go balls out. <laughs> you know, against that lineup, I, I really didn't care. Yeah, you know, I knew I was in good shape, and it just didn't work out that day. Um, it could have been a very different run, but uh, yeah. So that's that's it. Now uh, it's played on Poker Stars, I guess, and um, it's an interesting game. There's, I think, there's this game is not mature. Um, people pose questions, and I think sometimes the answers are different than how people generally play. So. I think in another, and I haven't seen Barry Greenstein's chapter, and I haven't really followed two plus two threads on the Doogie, so I don't know if people have worked on this stuff a little more. But it's a game that's still maturing, and I think in another year or two, a lot more will be known. Also, it's it's a game that's easy to figure out mathematically, so you can sit down and just start crunching numbers and writing on an envelope and pulling out your calculator and figure out a couple things that are interesting. But the main thing is is that the uh, the variance on this game is far higher than it is um, for something like Limit Hold'em. And uh, you, you're just—it's a good gambler's game, it really is. Yeah, it's—it's it's definitely when I introduced it into my mixed home game every month. Um, it's one of those games that no one really knows how to play, but everyone plays loosely. Um, mm-hmm. You know, everyone's drawing to queen badoogies and stuff like that because they just don't understand. Um, they're just Where's trying to make badoogies. <laughs> That's in Baltimore, right? What are the stakes? Uh, stakes are not high enough. <laughs> not high enough to drive up. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's uh, his stakes are less than one of the hands, one of the blinds probably from that other game you were talking about. So yes, <laughs> if you bring five hundred dollars, you will never lose all of it. See, I think that's I think that's the biggest. I've played fifty hundred heads up no limit on the internet. That's that's the biggest I've played. So whether you think five hundred thousand six hundred Badoogie's bigger, um, they certainly probably have similar variants. Yeah, yeah. I mean. I think it's like you said. It's it's not very evolved, um, like No Limit Hold'em or even PLO. I would say, um, and which is why I actually enjoy it. Same thing with Triple Draw. I don't I don't really know how evolved that game is. Um, I feel like it can't be that evolved, considering I spent six months studying it and felt like the best player at my table consistently during the tournament. <laughs> um, wow, that's saying something because you had some talented players there. Yeah, I mean, I, well, eventually, uh, 
if anyone knows Triple Draw online, they know Uji or Ugi. Um, he's like the one of the top online players. Eventually, he got sat at my table, and I no longer felt like one of the best players. <laughs> um, but well, uh, it, may, it may be that because it's a small field, it's a good opportunity to try for a bracelet. And live tournament skills, live tournament reading skills, are what they are. So, yeah, someone who's pretty good at reading people would have a decent chance. But Deuce to Seven seems a game eight hand played eight handed. I assume that seems a game that. Um, you know, there you, you say a lot just by entering a pot. Yeah, well, this this ask. is actually six-handed. Oh, okay. Well, I guess that makes sense because there's so many cards involved. Yeah, yeah. Badugi is eight-handed. Uh, Triple draw is six-handed. Um, I believe, isn't that right? That's yeah. I think that's the biggest you'll see. I think. Um, you know what I'm going to do? I'm next year if I play a tournament other than the main. I'm going to study for a day and play the Deuce to Seven Triple. <laughs> that's my goal. Just don't bubble because that's really embarrassing. <laughs> oh, you tell me more about the bubbling. <laughs> How'd that feel? <laughs> um, um, but yeah, getting back uh, to Badugi real quick, um, Bryce and I both have read uh, Barry Greenstein's Badugi chapter. Um, it's only seven bucks, I believe, on Amazon, um, or I think it's only in the ebook form right now. Um, and it's pretty short and pretty basic. I think your articles go into a bit more depth than than he did um but he sort of he sort of suggested uh you know i think you read it more recently than me bryce it was like basically draw to a a six maybe a seven and and that's it yeah he said maybe up to an eight depending on the table but that was kind of it which is not at all what i was seeing from the people we were playing with obviously but i mean there was some guy who was sitting at our table that wasn't from dc that was like oh i have three cards that are less than that are ten or lower, like that's an awesome hand. I'm gonna play it, and I'm gonna raise. It was weird, but yeah, I think Barry's suggestions were really, really tight. Yeah, he, he was like, you want to be like three cards, six and lower, you know, essentially to open. So in a long-handed cash game with someone who doesn't know how to play, that's probably reasonable advice because it's gonna save them a lot of money on the stupid plays. Uh, in a tournament setting, that's disastrous advice because you simply do not have enough hand. This is a game where you're playing 16, 18 hands an hour, and maybe 20, So when, and these are small fields, so you're literally in a situation where you're 400 hands away from the winner, and you cannot afford to play that tightly by any stretch of the imagination. Another thing is, as you get a little more experience in a cash game, you really, um, like many situations in poker, it pays to attack tight blinds. And if you're at any, any type of snug blinds, it's really going to pay for you to open more. Uh, and the cutoff and button, and sometimes a hijack, uh, and especially in the small blind, if there's any chance the other guy's going to fold. Yeah. Um, so, so what are what are your sort of opening requirements in Badugi? I mean, I know you said you haven't played in a couple of years or even really cared about the game, but uh, well, so um, uh, well, I I've, I've played Badugi a couple of times at a little bit lower limit in the past year, <laughs> and um, you know, like one or two hundred Badugi, and these are usually five and six handed games where. I think a lot of it is just thinking of it as um, a big bet game where you're really trying to put yourself in a good situation and read when the other player hits his or her hand. Um, so that's that's more important, I think, than nuances of starting requirements. But um, one thing I'd, I'd say is that if you're going, if someone hits a Badoogie, so they're drawing one card and they hit a Badoogie, the average Badoogie is a nine strong because on average they're going to start with pretty strong three-card hand, and on average they hit a nine. Um, so if you think about someone hitting a Badoogie against you, you really don't want to be involved with any kind of a crummy 9, and you probably don't want to be involved with a crummy 8, and you're going to get burned on your crummy 7s, although not nearly as much. So uh, anything, you know, if you have 3 to a, a 7, um, and you think you can steal the hand, that's fine. Um, again, people don't know, they probably know this, but if you don't, 3 card hands play in Badoogie. So that's the big problem, really, when you talk about playing. Um, you know, someone says play three cards to six. Well, if you're playing four, five, six, you may not realize it, but that's a pretty bad hand because a fair amount of time you're not going to hit a Badoogie. You get three draws at, at ten cards. And a fair amount of time you're not going to hit a Badoogie. And when you don't, you have nothing. I mean, a, a six, a bad six-three is almost never going to win. 
Um, so that's the problem. Um, if you're in a multi-way pot with four or five players and you want to draw to that, okay, you're at a disadvantage, but it's not nearly as bad. But if you're in a heads-up situation, what you really would rather have is ace-deuce-seven because then you have a decent chance of improving to a three that's going to win, whereas with four, five, six, you have no chance. So I think thinking about, is this hand going to make a good three-card hand? Do I have an ace do, do I have two of ace-deuce-three in my hand? Would be a very good way to think about it. And then, am I going to steal the blinds or not? Um, but I think the bigger problem is not what do you do with, you know, three to a six. I think the bigger problem people have is how do I play a queen to doogie preflop? Um, and that's, that's something that's going to get you into a lot of trouble if you're not good at figuring out when people are bluffing back at you. Unless people are just playing straightforwardly and they're not going to, you know, fire back at you unless they hit a badoogie, in which case the game's not difficult. But any decent player is going to snow at you fairly frequently when you raise preflop if you play king and queen badoogies because overwhelmingly the chances are that you have a king or queen badoogie. And so if they can represent any badoogie, it's likely that you're crushed. Yeah. Um, so this is what's huge. Uh, you know, is, is, I'm sure you, you know, yeah, don't think... listening, but you know, that's, that's the thing. It, it's almost worth it to just always pitch a king badoogie and just think, do I want to play a queen badoogie unless I can steal? You, know, you really hope to have a chance to steal if you're going to be playing those pre flop. That may be a little bit tight, but I think that would get a lot of people in less trouble than they're going to get themselves in. Yeah, and I think generally, obviously, when you're first starting out with a game, playing tight is right um, until you at least figure out the nuances a little bit better. Um, and to your point of, like, you know, a decent player is going to snow, I think at the, st- at the stakes that I play, uh, especially at my home game, um, you could pretty much play a queen badoogie like it's the nuts, and as soon as someone raises, just snap fold. So uh, it's not really an, an issue about getting snowed at low stakes, I would say, against people who have no idea what they're doing. And they're, they they could even be drawing to a king badoogie. So. Wow. Yeah, that's something else. Yeah. I mean, our table at the DC home game, like, I don't think anyone was snowing. I think people would draw on the second, on the third draw, and then bet when they missed, but they wouldn't actually pat the third draw as a snow and then bet. It would be, I hope I have my hand. Oh, I didn't hit it. I guess I'll bet. But it wasn't, yeah. wasn't really a bluff because, I mean, it was, if everyone's drawing it's, and you have a, it's sort of a value bet, like thinly sort of a bluff. Like, I don't think people realize why they were betting, especially that one guy that just seemed kind of hyper-aggressive. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we had the one guy who wasn't uh, with Deuce Cracked, um... We had D Moon Girl, Danielle Anderson. She's uh, one of the main characters that's going to be in the Boom documentary. Have you seen the uh, trailer for that, Matt? Yeah, it really looks fantastic. I actually felt uh, very bad for Jay on uh, Black Friday uh, as Jay Rosencrantz because um, it completely, I mean, he could have, I don't, I don't know for sure where he was at. I know he's quite a long ways along, but that completely changes the story that has to be told. Oh, yeah, so sure. I know that's caused him trouble, and I, I um I know Jan- Danielle through another person. I don't. I don't know if she would know. You know, I, I've been introduced and talked to about her, and I saw her in the Boom documentary. So she seems like a really, really good person to have. You know, mother. She's a mom, and she plays poker for a living, and uh, it, it's a good. It's a compelling part of the story. I think it'll be great. Yeah, she's she was very nice, and I don't know if she was there with Lana or not. But Lana is a. Uh, she's the marketing director for Card Runners. She was there. Um, and it was overall uh, a really good table of people, but no one had any, what, any idea what they were doing in Badoogie or any of the other games. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, my friend Rachel came out, and she it was her first time playing poker, and she, for some reason Badoogie is the game she took to, I guess. Yeah. The fact that, that it was only four cards and nothing else, I think, made it simpler to figure out as a beginner, but, like, it's... I feel bad that she has taken to, you know, such a tedious game. Not even she did make... Not even triple. She did draw. make the nuts one time, she which did, was awesome. Yes, she didn't raise it when she had it, but she ha- she did make it. <laughs> yeah, she made the least money possible probably with an ace two three four badoogie, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah. Um, but she she has been chomping. I mean, she's been reading Matt's articles. Like she is kind of chomping at the bit to learn badoogie, which is, I mean, I don't know. I guess makes you really hate life, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, y'all, y'all can have it. You know, eventually you, you poke your head against the wall enough times, you kind of just start thinking. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I will say now pot, half pot limit the diggy. That's a little bit of a different story. 
much more interesting game to me at least. So I think that I think you'll see more of that as time goes on, especially played five and six handed because it, it makes for a very interesting game. Yeah, and it half pot limit. Half pot the half pot limit the doogie. Okay. Um, yep. And there's also the doocy, but the thing about these games like the doocy and, you know, the donkey or whatever you want to call these games is um there are simple things that you can figure out if you think about it for a few minutes, maybe put an hour thought into it that other players may not understand, and it's a huge edge. So really the value in those games is, you know, I not I know not to play queen-10 under the gun in nine-handed limit hold'em, and this other guy doesn't, or I know the same thing for no limit. And that's the kind of edge that you can have early on in these, in these new versions of games that combine different games. Um, and then after that, you know, there's some other things you can do, but... It, before you go in and play one of those games, I would think, what is, where's the major edge coming from over the people who really don't understand this? Um, I think there will be a proliferation of those just to try and draw people in, maybe some more mixed games just to get people to play games where they don't understand the simple, simple strategies um, so that people can just collect more money. And then they're entertaining. These mixed games are entertaining because they change, so they're probably going to attract more people who um, you know, are just playing recreationally and don't really care if they lose the money. Yeah, that's my thing. Is right now I kind of, when I started, I, I said I'd been studying triple draw for six months. Well, that's because I kind of had gotten bored with the grind of no limit hold'em, and I think just learning all of as many games as possible, um, I, I think is going to be good for because, like you said, a lot of fish or whatever you want to call them are going to want to play just like mixed games just to change it up and have some fun and oh what's this game oh oh I get to draw three times oh that's awesome you know so I that's where my focus has has been redirected toward all right we're going to stop the interview there um definitely really good stuff we'll be back in a couple weeks with the second half of it um as always follow us on twitter baduki all stars so you can find out when the second half will come out and other bits of nonsense that we may want to share with you. Uh, rate us on iTunes so that we can feel the love that you wish to share with us. Um, if you want to say mean things, just give us five stars. That's what 2-4 Offstreet does, so you can do it too. Um, anyway, until next time, this is Nixon the Grouch for Tecmo Super Bowl. Bye.